This is From Our Neurons to Yours, a podcast from the Wu Tsai Neurosciences Institute at Stanford University. On this show, we crisscross scientific disciplines to bring you to the frontiers of brain science. I'm your host, Nicholas Weiler. We're going to start today's episode deep in the inner ear. Now, we are not in the inner ear to monitor sound, but rather to monitor motion. We are surrounded by a series of accelerometers which help to organize up, down, left, right, top, bottom, and where our bodies are in space. We are in one of the key centers of the vestibular system, our invisible sixth sense that helps our brains and bodies understand orientation and direction. If something gets out of whack here, there's a chance we might experience some form of dizziness. But what exactly is dizziness? So dizziness is an umbrella term to indicate any type of disorientation, sense, or perception that you experience. This is Kristen Steenerson. She's a Stanford physician scientist who cares for patients experiencing dizziness attacks. That could be a sensation of motion, like spinning or tilting or rocking or floating. That could be a sense of depersonalization or dissociation, meaning you don't feel quite connected to your body or the world around you like you're supposed to. So it sounds like there are a lot of different kinds of dizziness, actually. We think of it as one thing, but there are actually a lot of things going on. Can you help us locate that in the brain? What do we know about what causes us to feel these different kinds of dizziness? It's a great question. So our vestibular system is our invisible sixth sense that helps us to understand our sense of motion, our sense of orientation to our own body, our sense of orientation to the world around us, and has direct connections to many different organ systems in our body. So direct connections to our fight or flight system, direct connections to our cardiovascular system, our heart beating and our blood vessels and our vasculature getting enough oxygen to the brain, and direct connections to our visual system, as well as direct connection to our joint position sense. So knowing where your joints are in space. Okay, so it's connected all over the body. All over the body. And the reason is you need all those different components to work perfectly in sync in order for us to feel a normal sense of place and connection to the world around us. And where do those things all come together? Yes. So first of all, you have your inner ear component. So deep within our ears, past our eardrum, past our ear bones. In the inner ear, we have our cochlear organ, which is our hearing organ, and right next door, our vestibular organs. So we have five mini organs that help to detect linear acceleration and angular acceleration or rotation changes. So this is right next to the little sort of snail shell cochlea that lets us hear. And above that, there's the vestibular organ. And what does that look like? So the vestibular organ has these three loops that are 90 degrees placed off of each other offset. And then we have two little what are known as macular organs that are embedded within the vestibule that help to detect those gravity changes or linear acceleration changes in horizontal and vertical planes. From those organs, that information is gathered and then sent through our vestibular cochlear nerve, which is a paired nerve that's helping to bring information from the snail cochlea, as well as that three-looped vestibular organ bundle. 
and send that information to our brainstem. From the brainstem, that information is dispersed down our spinal cord, back to our cerebellum coordination center, up to some of the connection points to our eye muscles and our visual targets, and then deep into the brain, out to the outer parts of the brain known as the cortex for some of that more challenging processing and sensory interpretation that helps to give us those kind of more challenging senses of self and feeling connected to the world and oriented in addition to those individual gravity and acceleration detectors that we're able to do just in the inner ear side. Wow. It's amazing what our brain is doing without our noticing it just to keep us upright and oriented. I feel like this has been a through line of this show. I feel like almost every episode our listeners are probably getting tired of me saying, you know, you don't know it, but your brain is all the time doing all of this work that you just take for granted. So I want to talk just about the experience of dizziness for just a moment. You know, I have kids, they're three and six, and they love spinning around until they can't walk. I remember doing that myself. I don't enjoy it as much now as I did when I was a kid. But why does the brain do this? Why do we get this crazy feeling of the world spinning around? Yeah, there's a, a few different reasons. We have two inner ears. So you have two inner ears that are on all the time. It's one of our few senses that never goes to sleep, never takes a break so that we don't have any type of gravity challenge, even when we're unconscious. So we have two, meaning that they have to be on perfectly balanced. And if you have an imbalance in one of those, especially if it's suddenly, that creates this really challenging asymmetry for the brain to suddenly have to handle, which it doesn't handle very well, at least in that instantaneous moment. So a silly but I think approachable analogy is, if you have a motorboat that has two motors and those motors are perfectly linked and powered exactly the same and then you suddenly cut off one of those motors, you now have this unopposed force coming from one side that's going to shift the balance towards that one direction and that will create the spinning sensation of the boat. So it's the exact same situation. Our motors, our inner ear sense is always on. So if we suddenly cut one off, you have an unopposed force that's going to cause that spinning sensation to occur. Is it purely a disorder or do we think that it has value for us? You said a gravity challenge at some point. What does that mean? And is that one of the reasons why we have this like distressing sensation? Yeah, so we are bipedal, you know, two-legged animals walking around, which doesn't make the most sense when you think of having to battle gravity on a daily basis. So as a result, to keep us upright and safe, despite only being on two legs, we have all of these excellent accelerometers or acceleration detectors from the ears linked up to our different back muscles and arm muscles and leg muscles in order to make these micro adjustments constantly so that we're able to walk around no matter what our gravity changes are, how uneven the surfaces are, how challenging the environment is so that we don't fall. But if that fine-tuned system is even slightly off, that's when we suddenly realize just how many micro-adjustments we're making on a constant basis without having to think about it. And now when we lose that ability, it can be really devastating. Do we know, I mean, it, as I said, it's very uncomfortable for me to feel dizziness, but my kids really enjoy it. Do we have any idea why that might be? It's a great question. People ask me all the time. One idea is that 
kids are still going through neurodevelopment. So they need a lot more sensory input to start to develop and orient to understand the limits of the vestibular system and how to maintain their balance in those more overstimulating circumstances. So kids definitely seem to be more prone towards enjoying the motion. And then as we get older, we're fully neurodevelopmentally matured. That seems to wane. Mm. Well, so if this vestibular system is not working properly, people can have quite debilitating dizziness attacks. I know that's what you study in the clinic. And I wanted to ask, is that the same thing as vertigo? Yeah, so vertigo and dizziness, sometimes people use interchangeably. If we're being very strict in our definitions, vertigo means a hallucination of movement. So any perception that there's a motion that is there that shouldn't be there. So that could be spinning. It could be a sense of tilting, rocking, floating, any motion at all that you know is not real. And then a dizziness attack could be a broader array of things. Like vertigo is one of the things that people might experience in a dizziness attack. Exactly. So sometimes it's really helpful to clarify with someone, what do you mean by dizziness? Can you use other words to describe what's going on? Can you give me some examples to try and help understand what their definition of dizziness means? Does it turn out to be actually vertigo or could it be something else like feeling near faintness, feeling anxious, feeling disconnected or disoriented? which is part of the challenge with understanding what patients mean by dizziness and how to treat them appropriately because there are just so many different interchangeable terms that are used. Yeah, so this is really hard to, to diagnose. Terribly difficult to diagnose. So we've talked a lot about how the vestibular system causes dizziness, and that is the vast majority. So at least 50% of dizziness causes are from the vestibular system. But that means 50% are not from the vestibular system. And that's because there can be problems with your cardiovascular system, how much blood flow you're getting to your brain, faintness that may feel like dizziness to some people. You can have medications that can cause side effects. You could have neuropathy that can make it challenging for you to know where your feet are in space. There are lots of different potential other causes, which is why it can be really challenging for a physician trying to evaluate someone's dizziness, sorting out where is this coming from so that I can give you the right treatment. And so this is one of the things that you're tackling. You've got support from the Wusai Neurosciences Institute to develop a device that people can wear on their faces to diagnose these attacks. Can you give us a sense of what this looks like and, and how it works? Yeah, so one of the advantages of the vestibular system having so many connections to other parts of the body is it has direct connections to our eye muscles. And those eye muscles can cause little twitching movements of the eyes so that we can actually get a sense of what the vestibular system function is based on the directions of eye movements, how fast they are, when they're occurring, and of course the direction. What our device does is it helps to measure those eye movements real time while you're having a dizzy attack so that we can measure when it's happening, how long it's happening for, in the direction, all of those pieces of data to create now a much more discrete picture of what your vestibular system is doing during that attack to understand first, is this vestibular? And then second, what type of vestibular disorder is it? To do that, we have a patch that you wear on your head and you wear that until you capture a representative event and then we're able to process that data and give the diagnosis. That's amazing. So you can tell from how the eyes are moving, what's happening deep in the inner ear, other parts of the brain that are experiencing vestibular dysfunctions. It goes back to what you were saying earlier about the vestibular system being connected to 
all different parts of our bodies and our nervous systems to our eyes, our muscles and our joints and our tendons, our cerebellum and to our brainstem. And it's really quite remarkable. Yeah, we're excited about the potential. You know, it's not available to people very readily and definitely not available in a wearable. But we're even more excited about the future because of just what you said, that this is going to be a window into the vestibular system where for the first time ever, we should be able to monitor it over long term and be able to understand those connections to the other organ systems to maybe get so much more understanding of how much the vestibular system is incorporated into our daily lives and other diseases. So this device in particular might both help you get early diagnosis for patients and fundamentally understand the vestibular system better. Exactly. We've never had a monitoring device before. Wow, that's amazing. You know, we talked at the beginning of this conversation about how our vestibular sense is sort of this unappreciated sixth sense that connects us to the world in a way that we maybe don't appreciate all the time. Is that what you're seeing sort of coming out of the literature as your technology and other approaches are allowing us to get a better sense of how this works? Yeah. So some really exciting research has come out just in the last few years because we're finally starting to get to a place where we can serially monitor the vestibular system. And one in particular research study has shown that a loss of our inner ear organs, especially the saccule, which is one of those tiny accelerometers for gravity, increases our risk for Alzheimer's disease and particular wandering in Alzheimer's disease. And we think it's because we've underappreciated how much that vestibular orientation system helps us to orient to our own thoughts, to our memory palaces, and has this direct impact on our overall cognition and ability to feel like ourselves in our own body and our own memories. Wow, that's really incredible. I mean, it makes me think that you know, we've been talking about balance in the vestibular system and so on in, in a sort of mechanical way, like it's the thing that keeps our body upright. But, you know, you mentioned memory palaces, you mentioned connecting with the world around us. And really, it does seem, you know, with the experience of dizziness, I think the predominant feeling is a feeling of wrongness, right? It's as if you're seeing two views of the world at the same time or hearing two different symphonies that are out of tune with each other, but it's your perception of yourself and the world around you. So it feels like, you know, you study what happens when people have this feeling of wrongness, but the sense of balance of vestibular system is really important for us feeling right with the world in a way. Yeah. One of the most common disorders that I'll see in my clinic is something known as persistent postural perceptual dizziness, which is a mouthful, mm. but it's describing people who are having a disconnect exactly that you're referencing, where their mechanical receptors work beautifully. We can test them. We have all of our little electrophysiologic studies that show, yep, all of those are working perfectly. But their perception of those mechanical receptors does not align with their actual function. And as a result, they feel these really intrusive, horrible sensations of a persistent rocking, floating, or dissociative state, despite the fact that those individual mechanical receptors are working appropriately. And that disease process has given us such a beautiful window in understanding how impactful correct perception is and aligned mm. perception is and understanding the world around you, but also your sense of self. These people will notice increased anxiety, depression, increased neck pain and muscle pain because they're walking around 
with their shoulders tightened and their neck tightened because they're trying to stabilize themselves against a potential vestibular threat with this persistence, rocking, floating, swaying sensation, but it's not there. So it's really helped us to understand on a more discrete level that perception is a very powerful neuroscience process that if impaired can completely alter our sense of self and functionality, which I think is just, you know, tip of the iceberg for perception within neuroscience, more globally speaking, that we all have different perceptions, but as long as they resonate with and have a physical checks and balance system to them, we don't even notice that that's a perception process that we're going through. But with this specific vestibular example, we're now understanding, oh, there's a gradation in that perception. And if it is impaired in any way, it can be devastating. Well, I'm so sorry to say it, but I think that that is all the time that we have. Dr. Kristen Steenerson, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. This is a joy. Thanks again to our guest, Kristen Steenerson. For more on Dr. Steenerson's work, check out the links in the show notes. We are very excited for season two of From Our Neurons to Yours. If you are too, please take a moment to give us a review on your podcast app of choice and share this episode with your friends. That's how we grow as a show and bring the stories of the frontiers of neuroscience to a wider audience. We'll link to Apple Podcasts reviews in the show notes as well. This episode was produced by Michael Osborne with assistance from Morgan Honecker. I'm your host, Nicholas Weiler.